Hello, I'm Lizzie Phillips and welcome to the Networking Diaries. Here we go. Uh, With me today, I have two lovely ladies that I'm going to be introducing very shortly. First of all, if you are uh, tuning in on YouTube, apologies for the lack of makeup today. in fact, this kind of leads on to the reason why we have a wonderful guest with us is I was very stupid. Now here in the UK, because I guess I'm from the US, we, <laughs> we call ourselves a bit of a plonker if we do something stupid. And I did something stupid in, Saturday, uh, in January where I decided to turn around for some conditioner, which is very dangerous, by the way, uh, because I managed to slip up and out of the bath backwards, hitting my head and giving myself a, uh, a, a brain injury, basically, which is the reason why we haven't had these guests on before now. Um, I'm very excited to say so. Ali and Susan, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, but more importantly, introduce your organization to us. Hi, everyone. Well, thank you for having us, Lizzie. We're so happy to be here. Um, So my name is Tara Gelbar, and I started a women's empowerment organization 14 years ago, actually this month, uh, called BIG, Believe, Inspire, Grow. Um, and what we wanted, we wanted to help women basically become empowered. And a lot of the ways that you can do that is being an entrepreneur. And so we've been doing that and helping women in hundreds of communities across the U.S. And now we're global as well. We work with a lot of international women because there's so much that we have in common. And Susan, who is my colleague and, and has been involved in my organization for years and years, has just become on board as our president of the organization. Susan, would you perhaps like to tell us about uh, your, your good self and maybe your role as well? Yes. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. And as Tara mentioned, I am now the president of BIG, but I have such a long history. It was one of the first women's organizations that I joined when I left my nine to five job as a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. And I've been part of it all the way up until when I moved to another state where I really couldn't participate in the in-person events. And then just just as COVID hit and the pandemic, that's when I was able to jump back in and help with the virtual and the global, and um, it has been just amazing. Um, My background is I'm a coach, a mindset and achieve coach for women in business. And I help women really bridge the gap between their personal and professional life. And I work with a lot of moms. So between their mom life and their biz life, to stop the tug of war, to create the simple and consistent self-care, to create (laughs) those family boundaries while having a profitable business, right? And having fun. So that's what I've been doing the past 13 years. Wow. Uh, I've got so many questions for you too. Uh, Be prepared, folks. So uh, Tara, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how many members that you have and what really spurs you to to set up? uh, Is it, (laughs) so would you pronounce it big or you pronounce it B-I-G? We pronounce it big. It evolves. It just is the way that the women call it. They even call themselves the bigettes or the biggies or I like you know, it. just, you know, how women just adopt their own <laughs> organizations, right? Um, so the question was, how, we, how many people do we have? We have hundreds. We have about 500 active paying membership members. Um, and we've had about 8,000 over the 14 years that we've had because women come in and out. We have a lot of, like Susan, a lot of returns. And thankfully, I mean, the the one good thing that came out of this pandemic is that technology lets us 
can connect. And so a lot of our women are coming back who moved out of the region where we used to do our, all of our in-person events and are able to come back. So we go as far as 3,000 miles away in California. We're on the East Coast of the U.S. All the way across the pond over to you. We have some U.K. members and some Spain members and some Canadian members. And that is the one blessing of the pandemic, or at least one of the blessings of the pandemic, is that we get to, to bond. And our, our vision is to bring in thousands of women because, you know, we need each other. We need each other to, to just be able to pick ourselves up on those low days and, and find more information. So what we like to say is we help women learn because you're not supposed to know everything about this thing called entrepreneurship and business, right? It's always evolving. Social media is always evolving. So we want you to learn connect, which is the community, which is what you do a lot of networking, but really relationship building yeah. and then evolving, evolving yourself. I mean, business for women isn't just about making money. It's about purpose and passion and leaving a legacy and doing something worthwhile and being a role model to the next generation. It's yeah, so much more than our male counterparts. Everybody has this kind of business light bulb moment where they decide, actually, you know what, I'm going to set this up. This will be a really great product or service. What was your first light up experience? You know, how did, how did you set up big in the first place? Well, I'll tell you how I set up big and Susan has a different answer. So there's probably two. Oh, brilliant. I was, Go for a, it. I, I was in marketing and public relations in my career. Then I had this thing called a baby, which <laughs> changed the trajectory. And I had two more after that because I didn't learn the first time. No, I have wonderful children. But um, you know, you don't expect that life is going to get away of your business plans. And it does for women way more than it does for our colleagues, our male colleagues. So I stayed at home and I lost my sense of self. I lost who I was. I, I was gonna, I was on a career trajectory. I was exciting. I was traveling. I was, you know, doing television shows and things like that and marketing. And, you know, being a mom, being a mother changed everything because economically it almost didn't make any sense for me for childcare to pay for yeah. childcare and go back to a job that was almost gonna always equal the same amount of money. And that's still a lot of the problem out there right now. So for me, what happened, I stayed out, I raised my children, but I was missing that sense of who else am I supposed to do with this life I have? And for me, I saw a bumper sticker on a teacher's car and my dropping my middle child off at the middle school and he was about sixth grade and it said, remember who you wanted to be. And this like lightning bolt was like, you're not her. You're not her. You better start getting in this game and figuring that out. And that's that was it for me. That's what projected me to send an email and gather women together. And that started it. But um, Susan has a different story because she stayed in corporate America and she had her entrepreneur light bulb go in a different way. Yeah. So I was it was right after I had spent three months in London living and partying and not a care in the world, building up the debt, eating Subway, drinking, not taking <laughs> care of myself. And then I had a light bulb moment that I had. But I was like, oh, I got to get home. I got responsibilities. I got to pay all this stuff out and pay all of this stuff off. I have to pay my college loan. And so I came home and I was miserable. And I remember I, I found a job pretty quick because I use a headhunter. So within two weeks back of, of um, traveling, I found a graphic design job for a medical company. 
but I was playing victim and I was blaming everybody and everything and I was crying and I was miserable and I was complaining that I was overweight. I was complaining that I was in debt and I was like my rock bottom at 25 years old, right? And I felt really lost. I felt really depressed as I was going to this job. I was in this gray queue, right? So it's not, it's not London. I'm not going to, it's not, it's not the open life that I had, right? I'm, I have no windows. I have this cube and I'm doing this medical work, graphic design, which was really boring. And I just wasn't happy. And, mm-hmm. and I let it, and it, it compounded every day that I, that I fed on my victimhood, right? Like it just got worse. It didn't get better because I just kept complaining until one day I had this moment, this aha moment of, of accepting responsibility. I don't know what it was, but I was in my cube and I was like, whoa, like accept responsibility. This is, you had an extraordinary life that so many people don't get to do. And you made all these choices. You took all these actions. That's why you're here where you are now. Now, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And so I, I ended up going to therapy. I ended up going to the gym. I ended up taking care of myself. And that's when I started identitymagazine.net, which is an online magazine, a wellness magazine for women that I used to heal and vent and share my stories because I felt so alone. And 13, 14 years ago, it, the internet wasn't like yeah, exactly. it is today. Yeah. And so it's amazing how much has evolved. And I happen to be kind of ahead of the trend that trend there, which I'm yeah, never, definitely. I'm never ahead of the trend. But um, <laughs> I used that as an outlet to share to and to just so other people wouldn't feel alone. And that's kind of how I got started. And then five years after corporate, I left and I became a full-time entrepreneur and that I was already involved in big. And, um, I would work in the morning. I would work at lunchtime. I would work after my job. I would stay up all night because I was so excited. I had this new passion and this new, this new project and I leveraged my youth and I sacrificed spa days and spa weekends with my friends to, to, you know, have this different life instead of the cube it's an unusual life. life right not everyone gets yeah. the entrepreneurial world right yeah. we're, we're a unique group i you know and but once it's ignited in us there's nothing that can stop yeah us. there's like no turning back no well that's a really obviously we're going to be talking about networking later on but one of the things that, uh, that both of you kind of uh really resonated with me uh you know where does that entrepreneurial spark come from you know have both of you got any family members that are in business you know, or susan and i are different in that way so i don't even consider myself seeking entrepreneurship i call myself an accidental entrepreneur i didn't know what <laughs> get myself into. (laughs) I knew that I I wasn't where I wanted to be, right? I I knew I wasn't who I wanted to be and where I wanted to be. I didn't know that I was going toward entrepreneurship. I actually, I sent an email out after seeing that bumper sticker to all the women in my local community that said, we're still smart. And maybe we can get together and find a way. Because a lot of this, this was at the time, these were all these um, suburban women right, who have opted out of the workforce for the reasons similar to why I did um, for motherhood a lot of times, but it's also when after a divorce, after an illness, after, you know, taking care of your senior parents, it's not just, you know, it's anytime women take a pause in their, in their pursuits of their professional life to nurture other people on this planet, which is what we do for the majority of our life. And um, so for me, I, 
thought that I was bringing women together who were like me, and we were going to just figure out how we could get more work or more projects locally. It really wasn't to start an organization. It was just to see what else was out there. But then what happened was, you know, once you saw that the women needed each other in order to move forward, that that without that, they were going to stay stuck. And they needed that committee, they needed the, the community, they needed the accountability to each other, they needed the knowledge from each other. And one woman just looked at me in 2009 in my living room when I brought these women together and said, you've just found your new calling. Yeah. Like what? And I had to take time to think about it. It wasn't a purposeful move. And then it evolved. And I don't know if I knew the vision of 13 years that I would have taken it on at that moment in that time. But you grow into it. Yeah, I very much believe that things do happen for a reason and that there's quite often just timing to everything. So, I mean, you mentioned suburban motherhood. We haven't actually mentioned where you guys are based and where you are dialing in from today. Yeah, we're on the east coast of the U.S. We're, I'm in New Jersey, and Susan is about an hour and a half away from me. She also grew up in New Jersey, right outside of New York City, about 45 minutes outside of New York City. And Susan grew up in New Jersey as well, but now she lives a little bit more um, west in Pennsylvania. In the yeah. mountains. In, in the, the mountains. mountains. Oh, yeah. And how, how is that? So we're having a mini heat wave here in the U.K., at the moment it is currently i don't know what 19 degrees is in fahrenheit uh but it's very warm (laughs) we're having a london day it's very cold (laughs) (laughs) exactly how ironic is that yeah yeah i know i know uh susan i've got to come on to on to uh your entrepreneurial background in a minute and then i'll share my story uh but one thing i must point out i'm sure my listeners are going to be laughing their heads off because i was supposed to go to new york twice during the pandemic and then it just never ever opened uh, never ever happened and uh i literally missed the cutoff point for when the borders opened 24 hours so (laughs) so so I'm sure they'll be saying, I just need some form of invite to go back. That's well, fine. you have an invite. <laughs> we, we're inviting you. You have yes. an open door invitation. I would love we that. We will come and take care of you in New York. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, Susan, uh, did you have, uh, I'm, I'm, I find this really fascinating, particularly as you were quite, you mentioned you were 25 when you decided, yeah. to, decided to set up. So, I was quite similar so I'll tell you my story and then it'll be interesting to see if we've got any sort of uh, similarities in terms of family background. I uh, went to uni uh, in London. That's what we were talking about before we uh, hit the old record button and uh, went through the marketing route, marketing design agency, which was great. Um, but it is in the, uh, marketing. I'm sure you uh, relate to this is you very much work hard and play hard not much time for anything else and then went and worked for business uh link essex which was a government funded organization so in the uk there's actually used to be quite a lot of uh government funding to help uh sort of promote entrepreneurship and almost encourage it which is one of the questions i've got for later actually and um i thought you know what uh after um, being told that my contract was coming to an end, they, my assistant was uh, kind of got the job, <clears throat> although it was cheap or anything, um, I decided, right, you know what, I'm going to take my own advice, 
working for a, a government organization that promoted entrepreneurship to set up my own networking uh, networking group and uh, marketing services. And uh, I was only 24 and I loved it. I loved the passion of it, but I found it incredibly lonely and I found it really quite challenging working on my own. Um, It got to the point where I'd worked in a large team uh, to a much smaller team to literally on my own. And quite often when you'd, you know, you'd, you'd maybe ask your colleagues sitting next to you what they thought of something. There was nothing, nothing like that at all. And I was making really great money. Uh, I've been in quite a few awards for Entrepreneur of the Year, but I was miserable, really, really miserable. Um, so I did the opposite and I went back to work for a bit. I went to work for my dad. Uh, my dad has uh, an engineering business and we had three people including myself, uh, and, we grew, and we grew to 50 people. Wow. Yeah, and I was only supposed to be there for three years, uh, three months, not three years, and ended up being there eight years almost. Um, and my lovely dad one day saw that I'd kind of grown the business, grown the bit that I really enjoyed, which was networking, but it was just under his business name. And one day he decided to put... Uh, my P45, which is, I don't know if you have the similar there, which is basically the document when you leave a, com- uh, leave a company. So it's basically fired me oh and <laughs> put the company registration, registered the company name. So that's where Kavira Business Services comes in. And a little note with a check to say, I think it's time that you go and do this yourself. Uh, so it's it's like a mighty push (laughs) I love that story I love that story I think I've I've never heard I've never heard like that's the first I've heard of like a parent doing something like that I think that's amazing yeah I don't think I would have done it otherwise I mean I really enjoyed it but it was the safety net of being somebody in somebody else's it's that put it's that drop not necessarily drive I think you have a drive anyway I think it's probably the push that I needed to say actually you know what something yeah I've got yeah I, I, I heard a work. similar story of a of a woman she was um a hairdresser she was really good at it she was building up her business her father bought a, a building and said this is your building get to work oh, oh my gosh so cool and she and she now has a three successful salons in the area and she is a true entrepreneur but her father did the same thing at a young age at a young age late 20s the responsibility was and you're going to pay the rent yeah 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 Yeah, I think I think I probably just needed the responsibility actually being passed on passed on to me so sitting in the same place never is growth right yeah it's true yeah I don't think I would have left otherwise to be honest (laughs) I was too comfortable um so Susan tell us a little bit more about your background well mine's a bit different I mean so I'm the youngest of seven my father seven now I'm gonna go back seven yeah but 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 my father was married twice so he had four with his first and three with my mom but we all grew up together we all lived like on the same property so I have I have nieces and nephews that are pretty much like cousins because we're all the same age, right? But growing up, my father was, he owned some restaurants um, and he dabbled in that. And then I remember him working for the factory for Tiffany. So not, 
I didn't know he was an entrepreneur then, right? I didn't know until I was older. But when I started my business, I had a partner, which I don't, I don't know if I'd be where I am today if it wasn't for her. Hmm. Um, we started the magazine together, and then it was like a year and a half later, she didn't want to do it anymore. And I remember crying for two weeks straight because I didn't know, I didn't think that I was capable of doing it by myself. And I just said, I remember like being on my hands and knees in the floor. I was still living at home with my parents. And I'm like, what are you going to do? I was like, you can do this. You've done most of it anyway. She was just that safety net and an amazing partner to get me started. But I was doing all of the heavy lifting, right? And and I and I and I knew she wasn't as into it as I was. So I was like, all right, you can do this. And so I went at that time, my brother, here's the amazing thing. And Tara knows my family history. I grew up in um, a non-traditional family. I mean, we, we, we had a lot of um, drug abuse, mental abuse, infidelity, struggles, a lot of drama to be raised up as in, in a family. The only stable person in my life was my mom. Mm. Thank God, right? She was always sober. She was taking care of everything. She took us to a sport. She made, made us dinner every night, all that. Um, but my, everybody now who's living, all of my siblings that are living now, we're all entrepreneurs except for my one sister who's a teacher. But so when I was starting this business, my brother at that time was clean and running a very successful business. And I reached out to him. I said, what do I do? How do I do this? Can you help me? So I did have that kind of guidance, but he said, you're going to figure it out as you lean in and dive in. He's like, but if you're, if, if you want it, you do whatever you can do to make it happen. And, yeah, it's true. and, you know, and we just, I just took it one day at a time, gave myself homework, one thing at a time. And I've stayed that course for all these years. I try not to get overwhelmed. And I'm like one thing at a time. I don't try to compare myself to my speed or to anybody else. I just go my pace and I've continued to win my own race. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, it's it's really interesting that your family's gone uh, all gone into business. Yeah. So my so my so my childhood, uh, both my parents ran their own business. So my mum was um, an antique dealer. So quite often the Sundays involved lugging up loads of different antiques up different stairs while I sat in the car, bored, quite frankly, while she was selling those. And my uh, dad ran and still does run an engineer's company. And um, if I ever wanted pocket money, I would have to earn it. I would have to 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 um, come up with crazy ways of getting it. And even to this day, we kind of have a bit of a giggle because my my dad would say, "Okay, well you can you can wash the car for five pounds." You know, back in the eighties, that was a lot of money. You're talking, I would say, probably about twenty dollars. That's that's quite a lot for a kid. Anyway, so I, I quickly worked out that I could kind of offer everybody else's car down the road for the same money. And then, but then I also worked out that my younger brother, who's only 18 months difference, I offered it to him for £3.50. And I was just sitting there with a cup of tea, delegating everybody wanted to wash the car. Brilliant. It's a great way to do it, right? <laughs> so it's quite funny, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, they. Uh, I think I was very much spurred on by them. But everybody in my dad's side of the family all run their own business, whereas in my mum's, the polar, polar difference is quite interesting. Yeah. 
I mean, talking about entrepreneurs, um, Tara, have you seen a, uh, and we're seeing that in our networking groups actually over here, that with COVID, obviously, sadly, people have been asked, uh, have been made redundant, um, but it's obviously opened up a an opportunity for people to start their own business. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they, they call it, the I've heard it called the she-demic. Oh, um, I like that. Uh, because it impacted women a lot more in, in, yeah, in yeah. analysis than men. And for some of it was their choice, right? I mean, yeah. poor women trying to build a corporate career while they have no childcare, while they have their toddlers crawling on top of them trying to do their business or, or even in their corporate world. I mean, I think what the pandemic did was it magnified everything good and bad in your life, right? Yeah, okay. You had to make some choices. And so a lot of women said, this isn't the life I want to live. Like Susan in the gray cubicle, in some ways, being on a Zoom call with these corporate figureheads over and over again that had no respect for the fact that you're struggling in your home, you know, and they say, okay, well, it's not worth the paycheck, right? I, I have to figure out how to live the life that I'm supposed to live on this planet, because what we've learned in the pandemic is you never know when this part is over, right? And so I think women, especially, who take care of their parents, who take care of the children, who take care of everybody in their community, have had made really important choices. And that has led to a lot of women saying, like Susan did, or like I did by accident, I need to find a new path and I need a path that I make the decisions that I'm not under the thumb of someone else to tell me what I can and cannot do with my life. Yeah. It's a brave decision, but I mean, I think it's when you have, once you've tasted that, right. Once you've had the fact that you can survive economically and you can contribute a gift through your talent and people value that. And it's, it, it becomes something you can't give up anymore. Deepak Chopra, the famous, you know, Deepak Chopra said, you know, the difference between motivation where you say, okay, I'm going to do something. I'm going to lose five pounds or I'm going to, you know, yeah. five kilos or whatever you lose over there in, in the UK. Um, you should go on a diet or to stop smoking or to, to save some money. You, it lasts about three or four days, right? Of mot- By motivation alone. But when you are inspired, so when it hits you in your spirit, the root word of inspiration is spirit, in spirit. So when you ignite your inspiration, it you can't stop it. It's ignited. You know, I mean, entrepreneurship is really hard. Starting your own business is really hard. Some days it's really bad. Some days the numbers don't aren't good. But, you know, you go to bed and you say, okay, I'm going to give this up. And you wake up in the morning and you go, can't give it up. I'm going to give it another try. Or you meet someone who says, like Susan, oh, I'll help you. Or, you know, hey, let's connect over to the wonderful women in, in, in London who are doing similar and see if we can get inspired. And when you keep feeding that fire, yeah, it's what keeps us going for decades. And it's not, it's the money is the fuel right? You have to have money, no doubt. It's what pays our livelihood. But it's not the money that we do it for. It's bigger than that. I think uh, that's one of the, well, yeah, let's move on to our, because that leads nicely into our networking questions, basically. So one of the things um, I've been looking at recently is why people join a networking group. So yes, it's to get sales. Um, so that's the reason why they join. But actually, that's not the reason why they stay. 
Exactly. exactly. That is exactly true. It's almost like we have to trick them because, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, if I compare it to, I've been talking to Susan about this. When you're, so you talked about university, when you're picking your university, right, you go outside and you go, oh, you know, it has my, this, the, the, it's offering the courses I want to study. And it's the, the price tag is, the tuition is in my range. And it's in the community that I want. It's the size of the campus I want. And it has green grass. And you pick that. When you are in that university, you don't have anything to do with those things. It's about who your friends are, what your professors are, who's inspiring you, what your experience as a human being is once you're in it. But yeah. you're not going to be able to pick the choice then. You have to pick it on logical terms. But once you're in it, it's all about your emotional connection, your, and your intellectual IQ, Right. So we've learned that we have to dangle the you're going to get business leads. You're going to have a community. <laughs> you're going to help you with your business. Come in the pool. And then what you're going to get is a community of supporters and you're going to get affirmation and you're going to get validation and you're going to get not loneliness, like you said before, which is what kills all of us sitting in a home by ourselves. So people won't put their credit card down for that. They have to logically say, I have to do this because it'll give me job leads or sales opportunities or whatever. And it's, I wish they didn't they think to, that I feel that like way. they have to justify it, don't exactly. they? But yeah. They have to justify yeah. It. I think we have to, um, we have to educate them. On the, I've talked to people, you know, on the other side and said, you're not going to understand what you're going to get from this. And they won't pay for that. But if I say, I have 8,000 leads that we're going to send it in our newsletter they'll go here's my credit card <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of my biggest bugbears at the moment is people saying uh and i had a very large international bank uh book on and then say oh, i didn't realize i had to pay for coming along <laughs> yeah you do yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need feeding too. <laughs> but that, but, you know, that's, that's a thing that women have to learn to do and Susan's good with this too is um you have to have boundaries. You can't give away your products or services for free to your friends and think it's going to start jumpstart your business. It's not. You have to have boundaries. You can. You have to have a strategy behind discounting and a strategy behind giving away some free things. You can do that, but it has to be strategic because otherwise, what you'll do is you'll be back to square one. You'll have. You'll look at it and you'll go, "I'm not good at this." Why am I doing this? I'm going to go back <laughs> to a job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I believe in law of attraction. That's something I've learned with practices is if we're running a business and, and we want to build our businesses and our brands and we want people to invest and, and, mm -hmm. and buy from our products or our services, then we've got to do the same, right? Because the law of attraction really is, it really does work, especially like how you manage everything. I know the biggest thing that I've always had to clean up is money, right? The relationship with money and that conversation, respecting it, treating it well. Like when I don't, things don't go my way, but when I'm paying attention and, and nurturing it and loving it and having a great, great relationship, and then that's when it, it works in my favor. So I think the same thing with, with networking and community and, and just supporting each other is showing up knowing that we want to support each other, right? And we want to believe in each other and we want to act how we want to act how we want to be received. Thanks, Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah. like yeah. it's reciprocal, it's reciprocal. 
And no I think we, wants to we forget that. To. Yeah, we no one wants to be that. sold to. No one wants to be chased down in a room and yes. have a business card thrown in front of their face, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, I know you use the word networking and I know you run a networking, but I actually abhor the word. Every day. <laughs> because what to me, what it does, the traditional 80s, 90s way of networking was, here's my card, give me what you have. Oh, I still experience right. it today. I, I, I when really? people do that, when oh. people, but 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 no one evolved person wants to deal with that, right? Yeah. It takes relationship building. So what? So when we talk about networking and you use that word, I like to call it relationship building, but that's not what people call it. So just the same way we talked about the network. Uh-huh. we have to call it what it is. We have to call what they're familiar with networking. But to me, Networking it has one key point. It is an introduction to a relationship. Yeah, it's very it true. is the step one to say, how can we get to know each other better? It's not how can here buy my stuff, because to Susan's point, no one would want to be treated that way yourself. So don't. And it's also in our in our organization, we say it's a give before you get place. Yeah. Trust that. Trust that. Go into a room and say, how can I help you? Not how can you help me? And the law of attraction will magnet way more people towards you to the point where once you get to that authentic relationship part of this journey, they'll say, tell me more about what you're doing and how I can now help you. And it'll magnify. If you're always on the get, you're going to watch people go. Yeah. Well, they say when you give value, how much value are you putting out there? That's what you get in return um, financially. I think it's uh, one of my recent blogs was all about uh, that networking is an investment. And like with any form of marketing, you'd make sure that you're getting the most from that investment. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't do a Facebook ad and not actually follow up all the people that (laughs) build in the form. So it's exactly the same. Like you, if you go into a networking event, say I used to use this analogy. So say you're a florist and you go into a networking event and you're looking for people that have like a a collaboration. So so I, I run a venue hall or I run a wedding planner you're running and you're looking at the business cards and you're reading your names right and you see somebody that doesn't have his insurance guy oh I don't need him right and you just fly by him and you don't have relationships because you think you have on the surface who your target audience is and what you've just passed up is a man whose daughter's about to get married and has a fifty thousand exactly. dollar flower budget and you oh, that get me started Right. So so when I go into what I one of the reasons I used to hate traditional networking was everyone's reading my name tag. Yeah. Everyone's reading what whether I'm a value to them. Well, from my name tag. That's one of the top tips that one of our other uh, podcast speakers noticed is uh, particularly women's events where we're going to mix networking events because they are obviously just staring down at your cleavage area. What's oh, that all about? So that leads us nicely on to tell us one networking top tip. So Tara, you've mentioned a great one there. Susan, have you got a networking top tip? Yes. So what I have been doing the last several years, uh, online especially, but now in person, is I go and I listen. I don't even introduce myself unless somebody asks me. 
I'm the one that's asking the questions. I'm the one being curious. I'm the one listening. I'm the one being invested in them. Letting And, and if they ask me, then I present it. And it has been game changer. And, um, and I love it. And I think, I think that's what changes because we all go in there and we want to vomit everything that we do. We want to say, we do this, we do this, we do this. And nobody really listens. And when you practice that, the other person on the other side is like, oh, I've been talking this whole time. Let me ask her about her. And it yeah. really, it really changes. And especially online, it's really good because it's worse distracted a little bit. So can you be, how can you be the better listener and let them ask you? Because then they're more connected and they're more, they're more ready to listen, right? Because I think that's a big the ego's in the room. It's like, well, let me get this out. And nobody's really listening. But if you, you choose to listen first, and then when they're going to be like, oh, let me ask her, they're going to actually be listening too. Well, so. they also, that also comes across that you're more confident, much more assured. You're yeah. not feeling desperate to sell, right? Like you're all right. You're good. At, you're good at waiting. Susan, there's a really good um, interrogation um, video with Chris Foss in it who used to be the FBI um, interrogator. And it's all, he literally just asks the other person questions. It's, you have to watch it, it's brilliant. Um, But he did it at a um, convention over the weekend. Nobody knew about him at all, but he knew about everybody else. And when they asked, voted who was the best person and why, they said Chris, but they couldn't tell them why. They absolutely, yeah, it was really, it's really interesting. Because he focused on them. Yeah, exactly. It was really interesting. My networking top tip is one of the things I experienced at the weekend. In fact, it's one of my, on my LinkedIn post today. Um, And uh, this is kind of the polar opposite of what you were saying, Tara, is people (laughs) that don't seem desperate. Uh, So to give you an example, my husband and I went to a farmer's market at the weekend, uh, like a grand estate uh, close to where I am. And there was a pizza van there, obviously selling slices of pizza. Now I'm on the, uh, I'm on the PTA at my schools. I thought, great. We could get them at the summer fate. One less thing we need to do. Let's go ask, you know, go and ask them because they're local to the school. You know, I thought, great, win, win. Anyway, so I went over and said, look, hi, I'm Lizzie. I'm, you know, I run the, my, the local PTA would be really interested in you being at the school, you know, school summer fate. And they basically shook their heads and waved their order book and said I'm really sorry well in fact they didn't even say I'm really sorry they just said we're really busy I'd be surprised if we can fit you in see yeah oh yeah no (laughs) no but I don't think it's I don't think that that's what I was saying because that's trashing an opportunity right that's that's well it's like the yeah it's like the opposite of desperate though it's almost like I don't need your business yeah and I that's, almost that's the, that goes the pendulum swings too far in that way you know I mean I think self-assured confidence is always good but obnoxious <laughs> I don't need you is never good <laughs> yeah. I don't need that I think what was uh you know using your example of uh somebody that might be you know that they thought that a florist isn't going to uh, an insurance person isn't a good connection for them yeah you know my husband we walked away and my husband said yeah you might run you know you not only do you run the pta you run 12 networking groups well you know it's like it's like the julia roberts thing yeah (laughs) big mistake mistake. 
So yeah, you know what? There's another pizza place that would love the business, and you <laughs> yeah. have a long, long-standing relationship. <laughs> and that's what that—that's what the universe was meant to tell you that that's this is not the right opportunity for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I think a waffle and ice cream van might be more appropriate. Much <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I believe that too. I believe that too. When, you know, Susan and I, when we go out now, we're trying to get partners, right? And, and corporate partners. And sometimes, you know, we go down this path where it's just an endless pursuit of nothing or, or some, but, you know, to come at it and realize that maybe when we think it's this person and it's not, it's because the universe is telling you it's the yeah. door next door, right? Yeah. And we have to listen to where the fate is because it's not always where you think it's going to be. No, right. it's not. Your organization is based in the States. I know you work closely with Ali from Costa Women. But mm-hmm. I'd be interested, one of the questions I ask is, how, does, how do you think uh, networking differs from country to country? Well, you know, we haven't found much difference. We've been working with Ali and Costa Women for three and a half years before COVID. I mean, thankfully, that's how we knew Zoom before, you know, that we had to learn Zoom. And what we've learned is that, you know, there's cultural, there's small cultural differences. There's small, you know, um, legal differences, right? There's, there's, you have taxes on certain things we don't have. We have certain limitations on the way we can do things. But at its core, when you think about it, relationships, connections, trying to help other people, sharing gifts and talents and bridging people together. I haven't found any differences. I mean, individually, of course, but that's yeah. a personality thing. But I don't think culturally. Do you, do you find those, just bringing Susan into the mix. So Susan, do you not find that that the, the Americans are slightly better at asking or have more confidence in asking? So, okay, so in in my group, most people come in and say, this is what I offer. These are my services. Almost, do you want them or not? (laughs) Rather than, than, and they always talk in a third person, but yet it's their own business. Yeah, so I just wondered, like, culturally, if you find any difference at all. I have, so I'm going to share a piece of feedback that I got back from somebody across the pond that mentioned about us, but, but like Tara said, I have been experiencing very the same openness, excitedness, um, eager to learn, um, easy to talk to very fun accents between all of us, (laughs) (laughs) right? It's that's like the most fun part. But what I've heard was that they love how we are very solution oriented. Yeah, I agree with that. And that was interesting to me. I was like, oh, I guess so. Because they're like, you, we have compassion. We have empathy. Sometimes we cry on our meetings. Right. But we're like, what are we going to do about it? What can, how can we help you turn that around? How can we support you? Instead of all of us hang out and cry, 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 cry and play victim. It's like, we've got the moment of compassion, but we've also got the business side. Um, And that was interesting feedback that I had received received. And I think that's really important because I think um, we all have problems. We all have struggles. We all have obstacles. We all have um, doubts, fears, insecurities. But what are we going to do about it? What can we do about it? And how can we ask for help to get through it? That is exactly I think there's a misnomer. Yeah, I think that we, the U.S. reputation, the, the, as, is these like push through the room and, and, you know, that, 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 
big mouth, loud mouth reputation. Oh, I, I am loud. I'm not going to lie. I remember going to Europe and they go, oh, you know, I'd be sitting in a room and you'd, you'd hear really loud voices and I'd hear people say, oh, they must be the Americans, right? <laughs> and, and in that way, I think that, that there are definitely people that are absolutely like that in, in any culture. I think what Susan and I found out in this little bubble that we work in, the safe and secure bubble where we align our values with organizations like you and, and Costa Women that have the shared values. We're not those pushy, loud, hear me first, and I'm going to give it to you before midnight tonight and throw in those nuts. <laughs> give me your credit card and have your sister-in-law do that too. And I mean, that's not what our organizations are like. I'm sure that, you know, you could go to, you know, Times Square and get the, the, the carnival barker or the woman who's so pushy that she's chasing you down the aisles of the supermarket, which exists. But I don't think in overall that culturally when you get it's about your values. And if you align women with the same values with people all across the globe then none of that has to be the way. It can be a kind and gentle and supportive way. We don't have to compete. We can collaborate. We yes. don't have to feel threatened. We don't have to say, don't buy hers, buy mine. We could say, buy hers. And if you ever need more, I'll be here to help you. you know? yeah. I do find um, Americans are much better, like you were saying, asking for help rather than kind of promoting what they have. So they're better at this, definitely better at that ask. And I would say that entrepreneur, entrepreneurship as a whole is more accepted in the US. So oh. over here, someone will say, oh, what do you do? I'll say, I will work for myself or I'll, I very rarely say I run my own business um, wow. or I'll say, or oh, I run networking events. And then the very first thing someone will say is, that's brave of you. I know. Yeah, but it is great. <laughs> then you say, heck, you say, heck yeah, it is. I'm kicking butt at it. That's what you say. You know, I mean, it, at the end of the day, to the point that you said about your other career, right? The safety and security of a paycheck is 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 a comfort. It's a comfort, right? But and as long there as there is no safety. Well, it that way yeah. while you're getting one. Yeah, because <laughs> look at what happened in COVID. Yeah, People yeah, lost yeah. their jobs like this. Do boom, boom, boom. So it, like you said, though, there is that that perception that it's safe, but really, it's not. To me, it's a it's a it's a lifestyle choice. You know, it's um, and I think actually COVID has helped with that. People can see that there is an offer opportunity there rather than. This is the way that we've always done it. This is the way we're always going to do it, definitely. And there's a lot of openness. I, I had done a lot of global retreats. I had done one. I said, you know, I met Ali in Spain. We had gone to Norway, met women entrepreneurs in Norway. We went, I, we did a we did a group in Ireland a couple of years back, which was phenomenal in Cork. And we basically had kind of a shark tank experience where 12 women entrepreneurs from the US, some of these women had very successful businesses went to start up women entrepreneurs in Cork. And so in that area, they came from an agricultural background. They didn't have entrepreneurs or the, they, so these women had ideas and they were very nervous and worried. And they, they, they spent a lot of time um, creating their pitches and they pitched to us and, and they pitched their business. And, and, these, and we chose a woman who had an idea and we brought her over to the US and we brought her to our events. Um, and it was amazing. 
how much it was similar, but I do to your point think they needed that muscle because mm -hmm. I think I think entrepreneurs in the U.S. have started not in the last 20 years, but in the last 40 years, which is still not that long ago. But the first entrepreneurs came in the 70s, mm -hmm. where I think maybe in Europe it started a little bit later. And so we are we're timely and a little bit more advanced in that way. But I think when an individual goes out to be an entrepreneur, it's that same fear factor. What's the best one minute pitch that you've heard uh, that you've that you you both have heard or what ones do you think really stand out for you? I have one that I, I always remember because I thought it was just so I had a woman who was a, um, a home organizer. She would come in and organize your home. And her pitch was, I will wave my magic wand and let your clutter disappear. Oh, I love it. And I was like, who doesn't want that? <laughs> Ooh, I love that. I've, yeah, so, so um, I don't know if it's particularly appropriate, but there was a wills and probate lady that um, – that obviously did wills and she, her catchphrase was uh see me before you go i remember it yes i need to come up with something well apparently the <laughs> the best pitch is uh if you're consistently doing it by having a catchphrase at the end uh, it's just like that that memory thing of constantly remembering what they do and a bit of an enhancement. There we go. Uh, Susan, any yeah. any particular ones that really stand out for you? Man, none like that. I mean, I I I love the ones though that are are on target, like short, sweet, and just clear. And I think that's one of the things that we 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 get to do within big because we all practice our pitches all the time. Like it's one of the things we all get the opportunity to introduce ourselves and and it's fun to see how different people. But when they nail it, it's short, sweet, and and clear. Yeah, but it's, we call ourselves the guppy tank. We're not the shark tank. We're the guppy tank. <laughs> gentle, and we just want to help you practice and feel comfortable. That's brilliant. This kind of leads me nicely on to one of the last questions is speed networking. So I ran my speed networking session on a couple of days ago because I can't remember. But one of the, thing, one of the delegates said to me, you know what, it's, it was a really great way of consistently practicing my pitch over and over and over again. I see that Big do some speed networking online. Who Susan, do you orchestrate that? What, what we per? all do. Mostly Tara. Really? We, yeah. we, we, we've done it for years. We did it before COVID. Zoom gives you another flavor of it. Yeah, we do. probably do it a little differently than a lot of people out there because um, we don't just have them pitch their, their elevator pitch over and over because we feel like... Um, we, mo we have times when we do the guppy tank, that's when they pitch their elevator pitch. But our speed networking really does focus on getting to know each other. And usually it's on a theme. Oh, so um, we like break them into yeah. breakout rooms based on our themes. Our themes are big. At big, we help women on in their entrepreneurial journeys. But we know that you can't be an entrepreneur if the rest of your life isn't in order. So we focus on a holistic approach to women. So we have topics on relationships and on home life and on um, travel and leisure and fun so we can come visit you and, and on health and wellness as well as entrepreneur. So when we do our speed networking, there's always a theme. And so it's a guided 
speed networking. So it goes, go into the room for 15 minutes. We're going to break you out and talk about this and have them so many wonderful things. Like what's the biggest thing you've ever done that you're most proud of? Or what's the biggest struggle you've ever overcome in your life? And when you can put those, then you really get to know people. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. What I love is the one that we're like, we, um, what's one thing somebody doesn't know about you? You know, yeah. like so yeah, we'll laugh. quite a few about that. that. Yeah, <laughs> like when I when I share that my first job was a butcher. I was a butcher hey, my first job at 15 years old. Like Make people don't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I just read a tip, you know, uh, of a, a person in a job interview when they say, you know, when they say, so what what tell me about yourself, right? And someone says, Well, you know, I went to uh, like he said the best answer he ever got was a, a, an interviewee who said, um, I've climbed every mountain in every seven continents, uh, the highest mountain in every seven continents. That gives you a perception of that person yeah, well absolutely. beyond her resume, well beyond her job, yeah. right? She's a go-getter. She's an adventurer. She, you know, so getting to know, bottom line is people do business with the people, not the products, not the services, and they want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so the fastest way that you can get to there where people feel like they could trust you and they like you, we're, we're trying to foster those. Yeah. So, so my fun fact, uh, I don't know what this is about me. I have two actually, but uh, the one that you'll probably know about is um, I danced in the opening ceremony of the Paralympics in 2012 in London. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that they, uh, I had such a serious in the game mode in, uh, <laughs> uh, on the actual night that my picture was taken and used as a commemorative stamp. <laughs> so you can literally, wow. lick, you can literally lick my face now. <laughs> You know, I would tell wow. that. Wow, I would too. That is yes. awesome. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, there we go. So, wow. wow. <laughs> Everyone, that is cool. Um, so, uh, very last t- question, Tara, a bit of tonguing cheek. So, obviously, um, big as a f- uh, female organization, do you get any men come along and say? Come in allowed too. <laughs> we have, we have. And you know, I mean, we're very we're a very open platform, but you know, we've had not no one seriously. No one seriously. I have been asked to in tongue in cheek to see if I could open an organization similar to Big for women. Because you know, they think men for men. I mean for men, because men <laughs> a lot of what we're doing there and my tongue in cheek answer, but then we would have to call it little. <laughs> <laughs> and only because only because of this reason I don't want to be sexist in any way but only because in our organization we share very deeply and very emotionally and very vulnerably and I think that's what bonds our membership together in a very deep I mean I have women who have been with us for 13 years 14 years I don't think men would 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 be good in that environment. I don't think they let themselves be as vulnerable and as as giving as they they keep in their lane, they keep in their silo for business. And that's where it stays, where we bleed our lives together. Yeah. I actually run a a mixed networking group as well as a uh, a women in, I'm a member or franchisee of Women in Business Network. And um, 
that's one of the questions I get quite, quite often get asked, can I come along even though I'm a man? I was like, yes, of course. And then they come along and they absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, I think, uh, look, I think there's something for everybody. And I think men and women do network differently. It's just got a different vibe to it, really. So women women will say something different in a women's only group than they will to a mixed one and vice versa, actually. Yes. And I mean, I have to, we, we say that our organization is an and, not an or. You, we shouldn't be your only place that you're putting your eggs to do your business. You should do, you know, co co networking events you should do bni you should do all these other different ways but we are a place that's a safe haven for women specifically we have male speakers all the time evolved men you like to say (laughs) (laughs) marvelous well thank you very much both of you today it's been uh, fantastic um is it lunchtime where you are you off to get some lunch just about just about you're going to dinner right we're going to lunch (laughs) uh my six yeah my six-year-old son was just about to come back from swimming there we are just Aww. after school there we are so um thank you very much today for thanks lizzie uh, we'll thank keep in touch and figure out how we can do things together love yes. to there we yes, go i'm definitely I'm, I'm definitely coming on that invite yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs>